right, welcome back to Lerbo Podcast Season 5, where every single episode is about normally a different package. But once again, we've got Taylor in here with multiple packages. Last time we had multiple packages, they were at least somewhat related, but we were talking ahead of time. And this is really the grab bag episode. We just took all the small ones that don't really merit their own because they're, they're just small enough. We're just going to toss them all in today. So just be warned, it's not going to be super connected, but they're all really fantastic tools and we want to introduce them to you. So before we do that, just in case somebody's never heard your name, Taylor, say hi to the people if you wouldn't mind and who you are. Hey, everybody. It's Taylor Otwell, creator of Laravel. So smooth. So smooth. Um, <laughs> okay. So today we're going to be talking about Socialite, Scout, and Sale. Because they're not connected at all, we're not even going to be worried about the whole like kind of linking them all together. I would just say, let's just go for it. So with Socialite, let's start with that one first. And so as always, we're going to kind of start with like the elevator pitch for the package. And then we're going to move on to kind of the history of it. So if you could mm-hmm. kind of real quick, just tell me what is Socialite and uh, what do people use it for? And then kind of where did it come from? Socialite is a tool for authenticating users with other login providers like uh, GitHub, LinkedIn, Bitbucket, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, I believe, are the first party uh, supported drivers for Socialite. And then there is uh, dozens of community maintained drivers. Uh, But basically, it makes it really easy to add like a login with GitHub authentication flow to your application. Yeah. And if you are looking for those dozens of others, they are at socialiteproviders.com, which we'll throw in the show notes. And somebody, I don't even know who, it says Atimic, um, put together kind of like this list. And you can just say, oh, what am I looking for? I'm looking for DeviantArt login. I'm looking for TikTok login, Reddit, Instagram, Flickr. Dang, Flickr's still around. So yeah. So yeah, if you want those, that's what you're looking for. So so where did it come from? Where's the actual kind of like the backstory behind making Socialite? Oh, I think I released Socialite back in like 2015 or so wow. at, at Laracon in Louisville. I want to say it was around one of those events. And I mean, the idea for it was just to make it as dead simple as possible to, you know, add social login to a Laravel yeah. application. It's been one of those packages that like has changed very, very little since it was launched uh-huh. just because just it sort of sol- solves this one problem and there's, it's just a, it works and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that is really the gist of it. Most of the time when you're in, um, interacting with Socialite, you're probably only adding like two or three lines of code to your app. So you'll have one route in your routes file that actually redirects the user to GitHub or Facebook or Twitter and ask them to approve that, you know, this application is going to receive like kind of an an access token and is going to integrate with your data or whatever. And then you have a route that receives a callback after they've done that and receives that access token and then can use that to retrieve like the user data, like their email address, their name, maybe their profile photo. And then you just get, that's kind of your login mechanism. You go from there. So yeah, you're, you're only, really only adding two routes and each of those routes might just have one or two lines of code, of socialite code, yeah. and you're just kind of, it works. So it's really easy to set up and really easy to use. One of the things that I really like about Socialite is that it makes me look like I have superpowers with the client <laughs> because, first of all, it's so simple to do. But second of all, anybody who's ever done any work with programming those things, behind the scenes, it's very complicated. And the fact that we can be like, oh, yeah, you want me to add daily motion, some random crap? Like, yeah, real quick, two lines, you know, mm-hmm. Composer require the daily motion adapter or whatever, throw a couple lines in and then we're good to go. It does really feel very magical. Yeah, it is nice. And behind the scenes, it's doing things like setting the state uh, property in your session and making sure that is secure. And of course, managing all the, the URLs you need to call and all of that. So yeah, it takes care of a little bit of work for you. And just like you said, it makes it really fast to implement. 
So I actually have a gotcha in mind, but I'm not going to go there yet because I want to see if it's what pops up in your brain. But have you found that there's anything that gets people particularly tripped up or you wish that they knew as they were using social light or, you know, just kind of edge cases or anything like that people have to think about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Not that I can think of. So what do you have in mind? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I came prepared. The number one thing that I make the mistake on is that a lot of these social login um, providers allow you to change your email in the social login provider. And when I think I'm going to be really clever, what happens is when we get this call back, I'm like, okay, I got a user back from GitHub that is email address of mattatitan.co. I'll just right. integrate him with the mattatitan.co email address. But that same user might come back later with a different email address. And now I'm going to treat him as a different mm. user when in reality the same user. So the right. main thing that I've found is that there's value in keeping like the unique ID within each social system. So if I come back and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's the same user, but now his email address is mattatitan.com, I can now choose to either change it or prompt them to change it or whatever. Regardless, I see them as the same person versus like not recognizing it. The yeah. only downside of that is if you build it that way, and I wanted to ask for you, I've never asked you this before, but if you build it that way, then if somebody has an existing email account that is matin.titan.co and then they log in via GitHub, now it might treat them as separate accounts. I guess I could like say, well, look for any that have the same email address that don't have this set. That's kind of stuff you just do on your own. Is that something where you've ever kind of like done a lot of work building into that? Or do you usually just do either email or social, but not both? Usually I would store like the ID, like you said, mm -hmm. but... No, I haven't actually solved or worked around that kind of multiple provider thing mm -hmm. where you may have two different providers that the same person is logging in as. Yeah. So anytime I've messed with it, it would probably create two accounts, actually, like two separate okay. accounts. But, I mean, as you're saying that, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Socialite is probably, I'm trying to think through all the Laravel packages. I think it may be like the only Laravel package we don't actually use in production at Laravel. Um, Fair. None, none of our tools offer social login, although yeah. it has been kind of long on my list to add social login to something like Breeze or Jetstream as an option so that it's oh, it's easy yeah. to scaffold Super out. Um, but yeah. No, we haven't done it and no one's ever, I don't think, really PR'd it either. Um, so it just hasn't yeah. happened. But yeah, I think it's the only package we're not really using in production. That's so interesting. Well, you, we use it all the time, so I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> I think, so I think that gotcha that I just said, I think, the, I think the best answer now that we're actually talking through out loud would be if somebody comes in with a new social login, check that email and see if it exists with another email address in the system. And if so, then you can attach like that GitHub ID to that email address. But your primary thing that you're thinking for is does somebody else have the same GitHub ID basically in the rest of the system? Yeah, and I feel like that particular issue has come up a little bit and there was some concern with is it possible that, for example, I know that you use matt at titan.com on GitHub and so I go create a Facebook account with mm -hmm. matt at titan.com as my email sort of maliciously and then yeah. use login with Facebook on your Laravel app and yeah. it comes back with Matt at Titan.com. And now I've attached it to your GitHub account and I kind of have access to that, yeah. even though I'm not you. You know what I mean? I think that that yeah. has come up in GitHub issues before as like one potential gotcha there. I think most of these yeah. services that you're integrating with probably require email verification, but it is just something like to think about or to double check. Yeah. That's a great point. Oh, yeah. We don't want to give uh, convenience that ends up actually giving like kind of avenue for people to <laughs> take over stuff and yeah. make it less secure. Okay, so um, 
I think the normally normally the other thing I would ask is if there's anything really cool that you've seen anybody do, um, and then uh, is there any kind of like roadmap or anything like that? You've kind of suggested that kind of like socialite does what it does, and it's not going to have a lot of changes. But I will ask those anyways. Is there anything really cool you've seen done with it? Are there any kind of big plans you have with it going forward? I haven't really seen anything particularly mind blowing done with it. I think it's just kind of one of those tools that does its thing. We did yeah. recently add Twitter OAuth two support to socialite, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, Twitter logging in with Twitter used to be an OAuth one only affair. They didn't offer any OAuth 2 um, authentication flow. Um, recently, they have offered that, so that is supported um, in Socialite now officially. Um, OAuth 2 is just quite a bit simpler to uh, work with, to authenticate with, um, so you can start using that. Um, other than that, you know, it's just kind of like chugging along. We don't really do a, a whole lot to it, um, mainly because it, it kind of does what it does. And we also just don't right. want to break any of the, right. you know, thousands of applications that are already using it. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Socialite. It's just like, I appreciate a tool that's just kind of written and done, you know? <laughs> yeah, it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love yeah. that. Well, that's really cool. All right. Well, anything else you want to talk about with Socialite before we move on to Scout? No, it's really one of the, it's probably one of the smallest Laravel packages in terms of code size, meaning Socialite, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's really cool. It sounds very unique in a lot of ways. I think it also has the most drivers of any of them, although I haven't checked recently, but it's got definitely dozens. So, yeah, like the and third I think, party drivers, I mean. Gosh, what was I, I was just pulling the stats on, you know, the most used Laravel packages not too long mm-hmm. ago. And I'm trying to remember, uh, I just found it. So Socialite is the most popular Laravel package outside wow. of Sanctum, which is included in the core, and Sail, which Got is it. included in the core. So their stats are sort of like skewed. But yeah. in terms of packages that you actually have to manually compose or acquire into your application, Socialite is the most popular package. That's awesome. So it's, yeah, it's not just wild. me loving it then. It's yeah. <laughs> No. That's cool. Well, let's talk again now about Scout because I, I think Scout's delightful, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's probably one of the most commonly used ones because I feel like it's got a very specific kind of niche use case. So. No, but it is Can in the you, top um, half, actually. It it's is? More, really? Yeah, yeah. It's more popular than, um, let's see, it's more popular than Fortify, more popular than Cashier Stripe. Um, wow. Yeah, it is. One, I two, wouldn't three, have guessed that. One, two, three, four, five. It is the sixth most popular package behind okay. Socialite, Passport, Horizon, Telescope, Dusk, and then Scout. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, Scott makes sense because you don't, you don't have to have like a paid package to want to use. You should want to search some stuff. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. So could you talk a little bit about Scout? What is the elevator pitch and then kind of what's the history behind it? So I think Scout was released, I think, at the same Laracon that Socialite was released. I remember I released oh, yeah? three features during my talk, and mm-hmm. I think it was Scout, Socialite, and Laravel notifications all in the mm-hmm. same talk. And that was in Louisville. And the, the elevator pitch for it was basically to add really convenient single line of code, basically full text search to your eloquent models. So basically you go into an eloquent model, you drop in a searchable trait and you're just sort of done. You have a really nice API where you can just say like, you know, maybe user colon colon search and you pass some free text search phrase and then call git and you get all the eloquent models matching that phrase. And the idea is it has, it has different drivers kind of like socialite. So at first, at very first, there was an elastic search driver and maybe an Algolia driver, I believe. Eventually, elastic search was moved into sort of a community maintained package just because we had a lot of problems with elastic search being so like configurable in so many different ways to use it that 
it became cumbersome to try to get anyone to agree on how actually it should work um, in a scout context. Whereas like Algolia is very much um, like you gives us, you give us a search phrase and we give you results. There's not a lot of yeah. knobs you can configure outside of that. Right. So those were the first two drivers. And then we can get into, um, if you want, some of the drivers that have come later as well. Yeah, I'd love to start first. And if you could just kind of talk through, like, if someone were to use it today, let's say we're going to use Algolia, because one of the things I'd like to talk about is dependencies. But we can talk about that when we talk about the other drivers. But if someone were to use it today and they wanted to use full text search to index, uh, we just um, some kind of like, oh, you have a list of businesses, right? And you've got tens of thousands of businesses and you want to give full text search in your business. Can you talk a little bit about what would it look like? What are they actually doing to? integrate it you mentioned adding that trait but what else are they doing to integrate that data up to agolia what mm-hmm. kind of when they type you know whatever it was business colon colon search you know whatever are they configuring which fields it's serving so like what does it look like to kind of like actually interact with it and configure it yeah so in an agolia context all of the configuration is done in the agolia ui so um i'll start there you make in the Algolia UI, after you make an account, you create an index, which is basically like a database table, you might think, or you might think of it as kind of like that. And within that, you don't actually have to predefine your fields up front, so it's pretty freeform. And kind of how you get started is like, let's say you just added the searchable trait to your user. Scout also has a Scout import command, so let's say you already have like a thousand users in your system, you might run the Scout import artisan command, and that would take care of like initially hydrating all of those 1,000 users up into Algolia. And then from there going forward, that searchable trait registers um, event listeners on your model so that anytime a model is created or updated or deleted, it takes care of updating that model's data in the search index. And there's a configuration option in Scout where you can say if you want that to be done synchronously in the foreground, like as it right after it happens, or if you want a job to be queued to sort of sync it up in the background, Um, especially if you have like a lot of operations happening, you might want to do it that way. And so then that's what keeps everything in sync. And now once you have data in Algolia, when you go out to the Algolia dashboard, it will sort of show you the fields that are in the index that it can just determine from like, I think it stores basically in a JSON type format and it will show you the keys in your records. And then you can like basically drag and drop reorder the, the weight, the weighting of Mm -hmm. your different attributes. So say you have in a blog post model, you might have like the title and you might have like the content and then you might have like the author name. So you might drag like the content to the top and that's what you want it to like give the most weight to in terms of matching and then maybe the title and then maybe the author. Um, so for example, searching, you know, I don't know what searching for like a certain word would give the most precedence to if that word occurred in the body of the blog post. And so you configure it all on the Algolia side and you don't really need to configure it on the PHP side in terms of, um, how all that stuff works. Really all you're doing on the PHP side in your Laravel application is plugging in like your Algolia API key and, um, configuring, you know, whether you want your search syncing to happen in the background to the foreground but other than that with algolia there's not a lot to do in terms of the code yeah and it is brilliantly simple because you just again you're other than that initial upload you're basically relying on scout to do all the synchronization for you so the i think really the only edge case that i've ever run into and i'm curious if you see any others is when i'm doing something that touches a database record that i don't think needs to require it to sync up to scout and i just have to add i forget what the the, the phrase is but basically there's a mm-hmm. little modifier that you put and just says don't, when you're doing this thing don't sync it up to scout basically yeah there's something you can call like 
maybe the model name colon colon without searching or without syncing mm -hmm. the index or it's some mod it's yeah, some method like, like that. that that's in the docs but yeah and then you pass a callback and then any code executed within that callback doesn't sync anything up to um up to scout so sometimes yeah. you might do that like um yeah during some console command or something where you're interacting with just thousands of models and it's not really important that you sync them to scout or yeah. algolia um yeah but i've definitely seen that before and, and used that before yeah. i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's probably the only thing i've used other than just uploading the data and then again which is free unless you have any data ahead of time and then just search mm -hmm. and it does feel once again it feels magical because again i've written Elasticsearch php directly before and it's a very different situation yeah. than this is um, mm -hmm. so are there any, um, really cool things that you've seen people do or any gotchas or edge cases you want to warn them about in working with Scout? Um, there's not, I haven't seen a lot of gotchas or anything like that. Um, over the years we have added more drivers and actually just within the last yeah. year, probably we've added two new drivers, um, that have sort of expanded Scout's use case a little bit. One was the collection driver, which came first. And that was basically me looking at Scout and being like, man, it, it really sucks that to even use Scout, you have to sort of pay for this mm -hmm. external service and especially a pretty powerful external service that maybe is too much power from what you for what you need. So the collection driver, how that works is basically if you just have like, you know, something like a thousand, a couple thousand models in your database, it will first query for all of them constrained by certain constraints. So I, f I found a lot of times when I was implementing search, I was searching for things like within a given scope. So like within mm -hmm. Forge, I might be searching for server names, but it's only for servers attached to a specific user ID. So I'm not actually searching right. all half million servers on Forge. I'm actually only serving across, searching across like 20 or 30 servers. Right. And in that case, you can just pull in all the servers directly into Eloquent and then the collection driver will just use the contains method of the um, collections in Laravel to see if it contains the string you're searching for. So like the most naive form of search you could possibly imagine basically. Yeah. So the idea here is that this is really great to use during like local development or, or tests or whatever, um, just to kind of get you going. So like if you're just starting a brand new app idea and you think, I think I'm going to want to add search sometime, you know, down the road, um, as I'm developing this app, but you're just kind of prototyping the search functionality and you maybe don't really need to go through the hassle of setting up and configuring this whole external service, then dropping yeah. in the collection drivers are really way, a really great way to kind of keep your development moving, you know, as you're prototyping the app mm -hmm. while still getting like mm -hmm. sensible results from your search. You know, it's not just total garbage. You're actually getting matching results, but not as intelligently matched as something like a real search engine yeah. would give you. And so then later, um, just earlier, maybe late last year, I wrote the database driver for Scout, which takes advantage of the new kind of full text index search capabilities in Laravel. So <clears throat> full text indexes are nothing new in like MySQL and Postgres. They've been around since before I created Laravel. Um, yeah. But we didn't really have any way to create them from your database migrations and we didn't have any way to query them in the query builder in any like database system agnostic way uh, but with laravel 9 you actually can do that where you can say like when you're building an eloquent query you can say where full text or or where full text and actually mm -hmm. search on a full text index in mysql yeah. and so this is actually i mean 
this driver was added to scout to take advantage of that. And I would say it's actually sufficient to deploy into like small to medium sized okay. production applications, because if you have some sort of internal intranet system or internal admin system that maybe only has, maybe you're searching like 10,000 records or even 50,000 records or whatever, you're not searching billions and billions of records, then MySQL full text index is going to be plenty fast enough to give you decent results yeah. or good enough results, you know, for um, your application without, and without having to sign up for an external service. And it's just nice because you're already probably using MySQL or Postgres or something like that anyway. So it's yeah. just all right there and available to you. I mean, we've we've deployed multiple production apps using Algolia and Scout that all that a couple thousand records. And so like yeah. even just mm-hmm. knowing that that's viable for them as like the first step. And if that becomes a problem, you can always upgrade Algolia. But like you said, you can start with the collection, you can move it to the database and if you need to, you're still gonna be using the same syntax, just a different driver basically. Yeah, that's the nice thing. It's the exact same syntax. So it's really easy. No real like yeah. code modification necessary usually. That's awesome. So do you have any kind of upcoming plans for this or are you kind of pretty happy with having added those and you think you're good for now? I think I am pretty good for now. I mean, I do think like it's a shame that Elastic isn't supported out of the box just because it is such a popular tool for this kind of thing. And it may be that down the road we try to explore you know, in 2022, is there a way to integrate Elastic in a sort of more conventional way that everyone can kind of be happy with, or at least 80% of people, 90% of people can be happy with without kind of bike shedding on hundreds of different configuration options and ways to do things. Um, I think it's worth exploring again, just because it's been so many years and things have probably settled down a little bit. But other than that, no, you know, the collection driver and database driver were two things I wanted to solve and we got those out in the last year. So other than that, no, not really. It does support, I always never know how to say it, Miley search or Miley search? Uh, yeah, we, we, now, told, right? we forgot about that. Yeah. So Miley search, yeah. I guess is, I don't know how you Miley? pronounce okay. it, but that's an open source, okay. very like Algolia-esque yeah. type of search engine where it's, they really aim for minimal configuration. I think it's very fast and we actually do support creating Miley search servers on Forge as well so that you can deploy it to production or if you're using something like Laravel sale, which we're fixing to talk about, you can have a um, Miley search container as well. So, but yeah, it's very similar experience to Algolia, I would say in the sense that it kind of has this UI dashboard where you can configure things and it's very, but it aims to be as like zero config as possible. It seems like we're just aims to solve that 80% use case of I need to search for a phrase and get relevant results and I don't really care about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think that that for us, because we've kind of, kind of just been telling clients, say, pay for Algolia, Elastic's not worth the configuration. There are some hosted Elastic solutions, but even so it's kind of confusing. And then Jose, when he worked at Titan, was like, hey, there's this Millie Miley search thing, you know, and he's a, he was a Docker mm-hmm. guy. So he's like, I'll set it up in our Docker. And we switched to using that for everything. And it's been freaking great. I don't think we have a single complaint. So when we yeah. saw it added to Scout, I just remembered this right now. When we saw it at a Scout. We were like, oh, perfect. This is amazing. Because it's it has just been such an easy drop-in kind of replacement for anything we were using before. So Yeah, it is nice. It's nice and fast. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with Scout before we move on to a sale? No, I think we've touched all the high points there. All right. So last one of the day, we're going to talk about sale. So tell me about the elevator pitch of sale and where it came from. So the idea behind sale is one, I mean, the elevator pitch is it is supposed to be a very painless way of getting a full Laravel development environment up and running on your machine, no matter what operating system you're using and without really borking your current machine, you know? So basically the history behind this is 
we had several different ways that you could install and get Laravel up and running. And the docs were sort of, they would switch between them, uh, mentioning them, and they would give all these different options on the installation page of like, well, you can use this, or you can use this, or you can do it this way. And it felt like very incoherent in terms of steering mm-hmm. people down towards one path, especially people that are sort of like new to Laravel and haven't gone through the history of maybe, maybe you're new to PHP and don't know about Artisan Serve and installing PHP yeah. on their local machine or messing with VirtualBox and Homestead, which sort of fell out of favor in the development mind hive versus Docker yeah. over the years. So basically the idea behind sale is like, let's just pull back and streamline this entire thing um, mm-hmm. with a section in the installation docs for each operating system that shows you how to get up and running with sale, which is Docker based and will not mess with your current machine. So like you don't have to worry about homebrew if you're on Mac or like messing up your installation or installing node, installing NPM, uh, which can be intimidating. I think for people that are just coming into the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, So that's the pitch for it. I mean, it's like, you know, the other day on kind of the Laravel documentary thing, we were talking about how it's so easy to get started with like JavaScript, you might say, because um, it's right there in the browser. And I think we want to make getting started with Laravel as easy as possible. And what makes it a little yeah. bit more challenging is getting started with Laravel also means getting started with a database, which means MySQL um, yeah. or Postgres. And so there's just kind of more to install than versus like a static site generator or something like yeah. that. So anyway, that's that's the elevator pitch for it and kind of how it um, the idea came to mind. I love it. And I mean, I brought up the, the idea of JavaScript being easier. And one of the things that people like about JavaScript is not only is it in the browser, but also even if it's locally, there's one file and you would say mm-hmm. node space that file. And whereas, you know, e- even I, I maintain valet and I love valet, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of pieces to that puzzle. You know, there's, I, you know, yeah. so with sale, it's kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of pieces. They're all wrapped up in a very nice, nicely wrapped thing. And you just got to, get to sale. And once you get to sale, it's got all of it in the kind of tied up in a bow versus, you know, we're, we got one, we got an interface to all these things, but you still have all these things running and integrating and each of them could break independently or whatever. So, yeah. And I still use valet, you know, locally mm-hmm. is what I use on like a day-to-day basis. And I agree with you. Like I love valet and it's like the fastest, easiest thing to use for, for us maybe. But yeah. I just worried about like, like you said, like uh, new people coming into Laravel, getting homebrew, getting PHP installed, getting MySQL installed, yeah. getting Node installed, and just crossing your fingers that you don't run into some homebrew error along the way. Yeah, it's just pretty intimidating. And I felt like we didn't have a great story for like Windows developers or yeah. Linux developers, which Valet didn't really support. And like I said, VirtualBox felt like it was falling. Kind of, there was honestly nothing wrong with it. It just felt like it was falling out of favor. In mm-hmm. yeah. among developers, and I don't I don't know why, but it just felt that way. Yeah, hundred percent. But like, even even though I use Valet on a daily basis, if I was going to start a new project where I needed to use Miley Search or I needed to use Elasticsearch, I would I'm not going down the road of installing those directly on my mm-hmm. Mac, just because I'm worried that I would just screw up my whole Mac with weird yeah. dependencies and stuff. And I yep. would use Sail for any new project like that where I needed more than just PHP and MySQL for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know about this, but for anybody else who wants to use Valley and kind of think about those dependencies, what you take out is a, is a kind of a way to 
it's a Titan project that allows you to spin up a lot of those weird dependencies while still working with a valet world. And I think the takeout's wonderful. I use it every day. I'm really, really happy for it. But again, like when I'm bringing in an apprentice, I do have to ask the question of, am I going to get you on valet and takeout? Or am I just going to say, let's just go use sale because it's got all the things. And since you started sale, you've kind of added configuration options to spin up even more dependencies within it. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just totally depends on the situation. Like you said, if I've got like a new developer, that's only maybe they're fresh out of a boot camp or college boot or whatever. Um, it's probably going to be sale all the way just so I can be sure they have this like stable environment <laughs> versus yeah. if I have someone that's 10 years down the line and has lots of command line experience and installation experience, you know, yeah. then sure, do whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Tony Macias, who works at Titan, he's a big Docker guy and he uses sale, but he's always kind of like mm -hmm. hacking and tweaking sales those ways. So there are people, just for the people listening, there's nothing wrong with continuing to use sale like longer down the road. Yeah. It's just kind of like, for those of you who are set up in Valet well, you don't have to switch to sale. I think that's kind of the main pitch. Yeah. And so that your comment about Tony kind of reminds me to kind of, to give a little insight on how sale works. It's not a very magical package. It's very much like Breeze in this way. So every new Laravel app you down, like if you download Laravel from GitHub and even just like unzip it or whatever, in your composer.json file, which has all your dependencies, Laravel sale is there by default as a dev dependency. And then when you run artisan sale, it basically just copies a Docker compose file into the root of your application. And then there is a small little file within sale that gives you some like convenient command line shortcuts so that, so that you can just say like sale up, sale down, yeah. sale shell to jump into just a command line shell within the Docker container, sale node, sale NPM, sale composer, basically all these little convenient aliases to run things within your mm -hmm. Docker container. But the Docker compose file is right there in the root of your yeah. application. So if you're someone... Because just like you might have a dependency that that you need to add to the Docker Compose file manually, so Sale gives you the freedom to do that, which is really nice yeah. because everything's right there and at your fingertips. And even the underlying Docker files are available to you if you run the Sale Publish command. It will just nice. spit out those Docker files into a Docker directory. So like if your PHP installation needs some weird PHP extension or whatever, you can just add it to the Docker yeah. file and run sale build awesome. and rebuild the image. So it's really customizable, um, very much like Breeze in that way. Um, so mm -hmm. that, yeah, it can get, it's, it's basically just a good starting point, you know, very similar to Breeze. Yeah. It's a good starting point that you can take and run with. That's awesome. So if somebody were to want to work with sale today and they've never done a single thing of development what are their dependencies they need docker is there anything just docker else? no okay it's just docker and then you would come on to um so there's kind of a chicken and egg problem that you know a list listeners may have picked up on it's like okay if i download laravel from github and it has sale in my composer dependencies how do i install my composer dependencies if i don't have php installed right and so basically our answer to that was if you go out to the laravel docs you'll see it will tell you to install docker and then it will give you a curl command to run on your command line just one command and what that does is it actually downloads a very small php container that just has php and, and composer within a docker container and mm. it will use that to spin up a new laravel application in the current directory that you're in um, and then from there all your dependencies are installed and you can start using sale immediately but that's cool yeah the only dependency you need is docker actually and then you can use that curl command to sort of bootstrap everything else on I didn't know the you operating added that. system that's amazing yeah. that's so clever mm-hmm I kind of feel like there's probably a lot of other ways we could use that pattern in life. And now I'm trying to think about other ways because it's a self-contained PHP, whatever yeah. the heck you want. And as the long goal, as you got I Docker. Mean, 
the goal was literally to someone buys a new MacBook Air from the Apple store, they get it home, they install Docker, they run that curl command, and you have That's everything cool. you need wow. to build a Laravel app. You have PHP, you have cool. MySQL, Node, NPM, um, Redis, Smiley Search, whatever you want. I love that. That's very cool. So again, the next thing is, are there any gotchas and are there any really cool things that you've seen people doing? Are there kind of like just exceptional edge cases or anything? Oh gosh. I mean, people try to deploy sale to production. You know? <laughs> production. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which whatever, you know, it probably needs some customization, yeah. it, but it could be a starting point for something like that. People use sale to run their tests in, in CI, you know, CI okay. platform. So like uh, there's a sale test command that's basically just a shortcut for running PHP unit um, within your mm-hmm. sale Docker containers. So people will just add, you know, sale test to their CI environment pipeline. Okay. It, it runs all their tests within their sale environment, which they've already kind of maybe tweaked and customized to resemble their production environment. And, yeah. you know, they use it that way. Other than that, no, I mean, no, there's not a lot of gotchas. I think just because of the fact that it's a pretty simple package that it just exports Docker files out to your application. Um, I, I'm still pretty mm-hmm. happy with the way this package turned out um, in terms of really streamlining the installation process. Like I actually saw someone on Twitter the other day said they were so impressed. Um, I think it was a Microsoft employee actually that was working on some of the dev container stuff in VS Code. So they came out to the Laravel docs and they were so impressed that there was like a neat organized section for each operating system, Mac, Windows, Linux. They gave clear instructions for how to like get up and running with Laravel. That's awesome. Um, Because he said it's surprisingly rare, you know, to even have good installation instructions. Yeah. I mean, let alone across multiple environments. I mean, that's one of the yeah. things we've been struggling with 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 Valet this whole time is just kind of like it reflects the bias that we are Mac users and, you know, like so a lot of Windows people. And there's, a, I think there's like a Valet Linux and maybe even a Valet yeah. um, WSL or maybe yeah, work. But I think yeah, so the too. fact that Sale has just really brought the ecosystem to a place where it's just like, hey, no matter who you are, here's how you get up and running real quick. That's really nice. Yeah. Are we doing an episode on Valet? I was the future, literally just sitting here thinking, I'm like, why Why have we not done a Valet episode? I'll, it's I'll honestly it the, the most we'll entertaining it. of the stories just because <laughs> it was so, the development process was so crazy on that package. I mean, so I'm not absolutely going to have to get you maybe do one for that one. Yes, <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, I'd love yeah. that. All right, so I'm going to add that to my list. But other than that, is there anything else about sale you want to talk about today? No, I don't think so. I think it's a great way for people to get started. You know, if, if you know someone that wants to get into Laravel, this is a good place to point them. Yeah. I love it. Well, we just did our grab bag. We got got just above 30 minutes and we covered Socialite, Scout, and Sale. Before we're done with the episode today, Taylor, is there anything else on any of these you wanted to cover that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No, I think we covered it. All right. Well, you know that we're going to see you soon. I think the next one's Horizon, but either way, you'll be back. So thank you so much again, as always, for providing these tools and for spending your time teaching us about them. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. See you all later. See you later.